Welcome back to Podcast 24 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by MyBookie.ag. For a 100% madness bonus, please visit MyBookie. Use the promo code the Ozbreakers. Terms, conditions, location, apply. If you'd like to help us out with cost, sponsor the website, the podcast, we'd love to help you out. Please visit theosbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our winning handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also donate to us on Patreon. And if nothing else, please visit theosbreakers.com and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. All right, my friends, we are rolling into March Madness Sweet 16 weekend, and we have a fantastic guest, Mr. Simon Gersberg from Shot Quality and ShotQualityBets.com to break down some of his numbers on these wonderful games. So can't wait to bring Simon on and discuss some of that. Had a great week of college basketball, 32 and 21 up, 24 units. So very happy about that. Obviously, March Madness feels like the, the important time to get things right. And so I've been fortunate to do that. And very happy to put out some pretty decent analysis out there. Want to give a shout out to some of the people that have reached out to me, you know, about some of the complaints I have about the refs. Sometimes when I'm done, I kind of feel bad for doing that because it's not what everybody wants to hear. But had a few people uh, thank me for that. I feel like the average fan is starting to listen to sports betters more than really anybody else because they really get honest feedback about it. And sometimes they understand why uh, their team is favored and understand why their team's a dog by listening to those type of shows and podcasts. I haven't listened to sports radio in a very long time. So there's a couple of them that I listen to in podcast form where I can fast forward commercials and stuff like that. But that's only back in Chicago. Just one particular show on 670 The Score, the morning show is what I listen to, but I'd be curious to who else you guys listen to as as fans of sports betters or just other shows that you like to learn from. Feel free to tweet that at the Odds Breakers. I'm really curious to who everybody is listening to out there. I always like to you know venture out a little bit and listen to other shows and see if I can find some diamonds in the rough. So I would really love to hear it from you guys. What your favorite sports betting? or sports show is that you spend your time weekly listening to. Real curious about that, to be honest. So wanted to quick talk about the brackets here. <laughs> Purdue, what a fantastic draw they have. I'm actually fortunate enough to have one bracket out of the eight I filled out with Purdue, with Nova, with Duke, and with Kansas in the Final Four. So I'm actually... For that bracket, I have their, my final four live, but it wasn't the bracket that I picked. Obviously, I put my heart on the one that had Kentucky, Iowa, Arizona, and Gonzaga in it. So tried to go a little bit contrarian, and it ended up killing me thanks to some schools like St. Peter's and Miami that we're going to get into throughout this show. But what a amazing draw that Purdue has. Very, very good shot in getting into the final four. And I must say, the reason that I did fill out one of my brackets with Purdue winning it all is because they have the height, they have 
the star power in Jaden Ivey. And they have some pretty good guard play besides him. You know, that's what I look for in the tournament. Now, <laughs> Gonzaga's got that too. Arizona's got that, right? It's not like they're the only team and, and their defense have been so bad. That's why I only picked them in one and didn't put them in the final four in my standard bracket. But who's seen Kentucky and Coach Cal laying this egg, especially Coach Cal's great speech that he put on right before the tournament talking about you worry about the next team ahead of you. That's what I kind of thought Kentucky really bought into, but they just couldn't hit their shots and St. Peter's could. But great situation for them. What we've learned about the big conferences is that the Big Ten is overrated for sure. Only two teams are left in the Big Ten. The SEC, that I thought that was the best conference, is a little bit overrated. Now, obviously, I'm not going to go by just one game sample size. But, you know, the choke and the fact that they didn't improve themselves since the Big 12 Challenge back in January it made them overrated. Not saying that they're the worst Power 5 conference. They're just overrated in general. I think the only SEC team left is Arkansas. Massive dogs here, too, to uh, Gonzaga coming up in this game. Looks like about a nine-point dog right now. And the ACC is the most underrated conference the way Notre Dame covered against Tech the way Miami took care of Auburn the way North Carolina took care of Baylor and faced officiating adversity and as well as Duke has overcome Michigan State and their easy game you know Duke obviously in the dance as well ACC certainly underrated Big 12 I think they're kind of where they should be you know as far as rated you have Texas Tech there, and you have Kansas still there holding strong, right? So it's not like they have a ton of teams left themselves. They lost Texas, right, to Purdue, and they lost TCU in, a, in actually a very good game against Arizona. So TCU fought very hard. Uh, Oklahoma was never in it, and they still have Iowa State hanging around here at least for another game. Pac-12, maybe a little bit underrated still. Yeah, I mean, you have Arizona there, but they're not quite as good as maybe they were supposed to be against TCU, but you still have UCLA there, right? I mean, this team still has half their teams in the in the uh, big dance. They only had four in there, right? I mean, they only had USC in there, and that's it. They only had three teams in there, and they still have two left. So that you got to give some props to the Pac-12 as well. And as far as the Big East, I'm going to call them slightly underrated too because Villanova, strong, strong finishes, strong game against Ohio State. They covered their spread against Delaware and against Ohio State. And then you obviously have Providence that covered their spread when everybody was fading him, them in the in the uh, previous games, right? And Seton Hall got beat up pretty bad, but Creighton fought extremely hard through adversity through some of their injuries. So big shout out to them and Marquette completely laid the egg. So just the fact that they have two left out of what, five that got in or so, I'm going to say they were slightly underrated. So that's my thoughts on the power five coming into this show. Now I will say, and I'm glad that I did this and I messed up only on one team the Mountain West was the most overrated conference, everybody losing their first game. And the only team that I thought had value was Boise, and I bet against the other three, 
going three and one ATS in the Mountain Lens. I just thought Boise had a little bit better of a coach than Memphis, and maybe they did, but they couldn't stand up to the skill level and the talent against Memphis. Memphis was too big. Now, Memphis did choke that game away like I kind of possibly expected them with a lead. It's just that the lead was that much too big, and it couldn't quite get to the spread I took at three and a half. So the Pac-12, or sorry, the Mountain West, remember this for, for next year. It's going to look like there's just such a great defensive-oriented league, but the officials, the officials in that conference... They like to swallow their whistle. They like to let the defense play out. And once these teams get to the NCAA tournament, NIT and some other ones, they're not quite ready. They're not expecting to play hard defense and get the fouls called against them. And that was my handicap against it. And I think it worked out, especially in games like Wyoming and San Diego State versus Creighton. So very interesting for the Mountain West, how bad they are in this tournament. Just remember that coming into next year because they might get hyped up again by the media and that's really where all the direction really came from all right before we get into our guest wanted to give you a little ufc love for the weekend here my ufc was bad last week and just let you go i went home three so not super happy about that but i i think i see a little bit of value and i'm gonna go with an obvious play here ilir latifi versus alexi olenek now Alexi is a freaking dinosaur, man. 59, 16, and 1. The guy just won't go away. He's big. They call him the bow constrictor, right? But Ilir Latifi is short, but he's just a bull. 240 pounds. Doesn't punch a lot. When he does, it's effective. He mostly likes to grapple. Well, Alexi's a grappler as well, but Alexi also gets beat grappling because he's so lanky and he just doesn't have the power to get to the cage and get back on his feet. What Latifi's going to do, he's going to control Olenek, he's going to get leverage him, and he's going to get Olenek to the ground, in my opinion. Latifi has been there a while, and he's a, a very experienced fighter, and he's fought in big guys and small guys. Now, Alexi's method of victory is usually submission, right? Out of his 59 wins, 46 of them are submission and 8 KOs. I don't remember when the last time he actually KO'd somebody. I mean, it was back probably uh, before 2015, but that's not how he's going to beat Latifi. He's going to try to submit him. The, the problem about submitting Latifi is that Latifi has no neck. <laughs> I mean, he's got all lats, deltoids, and literally no neck and a small head. He's not going to be able to get around Latifi, and Latifi's arms are too short uh, for, for him to really able to put him in an arm bar or any type of situation. As a matter of fact, I have Latifi's 23 fights. He's 15 wins, eight losses, and all losses were either by Cision or KO. And this is why Latifi is minus 180 here. But I don't think Latifi should be minus 180 because I just don't see him losing this. I think Latifi is going to be a good parlay leg as well as a good finisher here because Alexi, at 45 years old, just about, right, he has been very vulnerable with his jaw, his last couple losses were by KO, right? Against guys that were, you know, not the greatest. I mean, Derek Lewis is obviously. Corey Anderson is one of them. Uh, that was actually a decision. And then Ryan Bader, he got hit with a knee. You know, the thing about Latifi and the reason I think that he can even submit possibly Alexi is that he has fun OSP before. OSP is kind of a version of Alexi, big guy, likes to wrestle. 
uh, an OSP actually got submitted by uh, Latifi before. I think that Alexi can get beat both ways, uh, KOs or submissions. I just don't see Alexi being in this fight too long. I think Latifi is going to take care of business eventually, probably something like a rear naked choke or or possibly maybe a guillotine or something. And I still think that it, Alexi can get KO'd as well. So I'm not going to get too cute with this. Uh, I'm not even going to go within the distance because Alexi has made it to decision uh, f- you know, a few times of his last four or five fights. We're just going to take Ilir Latifi to win this at minus 180 for 2.5 stars and possibly use him also as a parlay leg. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. All right, my friends. Now it's time to get back into March Madness with our guy from ShotQuality.com, Mr. Simon Gersberg. Now I'm very pleased to welcome back a man who's trailblazed himself into the college basketball world of sports betting and Mr. Simon Gersberg from ShotQuality.com and ShotQualityBets. You can follow him on Twitter at Shot underscore Quality. Simon, Sweet 16 is here, my man. I, and I got to apologize to you. Um, the Wisconsin team that that beat you, the Colgate did not deserve it because the way they played against Iowa State, Colgate might have beat them. So I, I have to <laughs> I, I have to apologize for that disgust that we saw on Sunday there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that was a rock fight that game. That was that was not too entertaining to watch for sure. Yeah, I mean, and just seeing like Iowa State, uh, we'll get into that game, but how they got to the Sweet 16 is just absolutely mind blowing. Almost, almost to the fact that it's disrespectful. But we can talk about <laughs> that later. My man, thanks so much for coming on. Obviously, NCAA tournament rolling here. For any new listeners out there, could you explain or at least remind some of us current ones what ShotQuality.com is? How is it different from some of the efficiency sites? Yeah, absolutely. So basically the way shot quality works is it's process oriented versus just box score metrics. So for example, if a team like, let's just use this, the, the craziest game of the tournament thus far, the St. Peter's Kentucky game. Um, so this was a game where Kentucky got their average process. They got pretty good shots, got a good amount of offensive rebounds. They just missed a lot of shots that they would traditionally hit. And St. Peter shot way over expected of what they were usually do in an average game based off who's taking the shot, where the shot's from. Is it a cut? Is it an off the triple three? Is it a catch and shoot three? So the process Kentucky got in that game was significantly better, and they were expected to win the game 98% of the time based off the process that both teams got. And it just happened to be that this was one of those edge 2% games where St. Peter's came out. Uh, which is obviously crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, but it kind of shows you how like an average efficiency site, let's just say like Bartorovic, Haslam, or Ken Palm, or Evan Maya, they would just move, they would move St. Peter's up significantly while shot quality would stay consistent with expectation because it's adjusting based off the process, not just the outcome and the result. That makes total sense. So instead of doing what you did, because maybe you got a little lucky, maybe you hit some shots you shouldn't. You decide on the process and the skill of the players themselves, correct? Exactly. Individually, exactly. Awesome. No, that's a great, great definition. It's more about the process and how you get there rather than what you do for me before. I love that. So why does it give us an edge over 
let's just say the general public or the perspective of the market in college basketball? It's interesting. I feel like it quantifies the eye test. Like I feel like a lot of handicappers will do basically what we're doing. They'll be like, what Chaco is doing is like, oh, this team's getting good looks. It's just variance. Like they have four seniors on the team. Like weird example, but Georgia State this season was one of like the most positively regress regression teams on the site. They had a ton of seniors that were just missing a lot of shots that they'd hit in the previous part of the season. And they were like the unluckiest team. And then they ended up going on a crazy win streak and obviously winning their conference. Um, but yeah, that though examples like that happen all the time. And I feel like that's the eye test where like a handicapper would try to quantify what well, our site is obviously just putting numbers to that uh, value right. that people. I love it. And, and cause nobody does it by the eye test. And that's kind of like how we look at different matchups and different contact con- uh, conferences. So that is cool. And it's a great addition to some of the pros out there that, you know, use the metrics yet. They also question things with their gut because of what they saw with their eyes. Right. Um, yep. seeing the ACC, a better conference than they came in, right. Seeing, the Big Ten and the SEC a little overrated. I think a lot of us saw that, but it wasn't quite quantified until those two conferences laid a massive egg in the NCAA yeah. tournament. Now, great stuff, man. Let's get into some games, my man. Thursday, big day, Sweet 16. Let's get right into Arkansas versus Gonzaga. And I wrote down minus nine, but it's creeping. it keeps creeping up. Nine and a half, total 154.5. What does shot quality Simon have on this one. So we have the game very, very similar. This is one of like of all the games, like the least amount of value. We have it at nine point eight. So basically equivalent to Vegas um of what the actual uh versus the expected was. Really interesting though, I will say, just going off Gonzaga's last two games, they've played the best in the tournament from a shot quality perspective. I mean, no surprise they are Gonzaga. But um you wouldn't really see that from the eye test, I think, like just like from watching the scores because they almost lost to a 16 seed. We're tied with 10 minutes left in the second half. Almost lost. Tough, tough to say, but yeah. Um, and they end up going on a crazy run. And in the Memphis game, they played them close all game. But in reality, based off the shots that they got and the opponents got in those first two games, they beat Georgia State 100% of the time based off the quality of possessions by both teams. Yeah. And they beat Memphis 88% of the time based off the quality of possessions of both teams. So um, pretty deep, pretty significant difference for positive regression for Gonzaga in the tournament. Um, so they're still getting the right looks like Gonzaga usually does. And they still won those games, obviously, because of yes. massive second halves from Drew Timmy and a couple other guys. You know, what's funny is why – I wonder why they started out so slow. And uh, it's just kind of something that I've been thinking about a little bit. I think it might be the shock of some of the younger guys like Chet Holmgren coming in. And I'm not sure if that's not an angle I'm going to play again. I did take Memphis first half. I I got five and a half points, put a sprinkle on the money line. I didn't think I was going to hit the money line necessarily, but hey, you know, that's how it happened. And then I took Gonzaga plus 110 to win the game. It's like, how often do you get Gonzaga at plus money to win a game at halftime? I was like, you kidding me? I have to do this. And I did it. And I was happy about it. Tweeted it out and all that before I did it. Now, what I will say is the SEC is overrated, but this is an interesting matchup because neither team covered. They're both their games, you know, and frustrating thing for Gonzaga is they put their scrubs in when they were up 28 to Georgia State. And Georgia State, of course, caught, yeah. you know, caught this massive 23 and a half point spread. So great call on the regression candidate for Georgia State. But I will tell you this. 
I also expect Chet Holmgren to be a little bit jittery before this game, and I expect Arkansas to give it their best half ever. I think I might take a first half bet on the Arkansas Razorbacks. I think derivative market's the only way I can look at this, and then I'll probably take Gonzaga in the second half, man, so we'll split the difference right there. <laughs> same path as the Memphis game. Same, hopefully for your sake. Yeah, same path for my sake, but at the same time, you have to understand Gonzaga plays in the WCC, which, yeah, St. Mary's, hot and cold team. Um, San Francisco, yeah, that's about it. You know, you're not getting a lot of great teams out of the West Coast Conference. I have an interesting stat for that game, actually, um, just like in terms of like individual matchups. So, Arkansas's best offense is from their cuts. They get a ton of cuts, like 32nd in the nation and third in the SEC. Uh, and Gonzaga allows the 333rd most cuts. And what they force a lot of on defense is mid-range, which is where Arkansas is getting their worst shots from. They are ranked 222nd in mid-range, but take a ton of them. And just based off Gonzaga forcing a lot of mid-range, uh, I could see Arkansas really settling for a lot of those shots instead of getting into their best offense, which is like pushing in transition and uh, getting those cuts in the half court. Okay, interesting stat. Obviously found from excites like shot quality there. That's where you get the good stuff. I'm going to say what's up to Glenn there. Thank you, Glenn, for the shout out here since we do this on live on YouTube before we release it to the podcast. So thanks for checking in on us, Glenn. So let's move on to the next game, Michigan versus Nova. And Nova, I wrote down four and a half, but this is already at five. Total 135 and a half. I'll go first on this one. I mean, Michigan's got talent. They got some height down there. But my question is, and you can answer this, Simon, was their victory against Tennessee more about them improving or was it about Tennessee and Rick Barnes choking? What does shot quality say about that game? So we had that game basically as a 50-50 push. It was not um, – like it was basically – I mean, I test basically until they pulled away at the end. Tennessee missed a ton of open threes, so people thought that the shot quality was going to be like, oh, Tennessee, whatever, wins 80. They were, they, that's a lot of the public was like tweeting at me. But in reality, they hit a ton of mid-range shots. That kind of like uh, negated some of the three-point variance was actually just hitting a ton of mid-range. Um so, I mean, it was more basically both teams playing a little bit, Michigan playing slightly over their heads and Tennessee playing slightly under their heads overall. Good stuff. Uh, it was like a 50-50. Okay, that, thanks for that info. See, I wouldn't have thought that necessarily based upon Tennessee losing. It's just, you know, they did hit a lot of mid-range too, so factor that in. Does shot quality include steals, Glenn wants to know? Yeah, well, if it's a turnover, then it's a zero on the play. And then if it's a steal, usually you're going to get a high-quality shot in transition. So Right, right. Right, fast points. That's Yep, That I love that stat too. So what I'm about to say about Nova is I took them, and I took them at four and a half here. I just think that Nova's got the top-notch defense. I think they capitalize on team that has defensive weakness like Michigan. I think Michigan is kind of hot and cold, and once they get – dumped on let's say is when they never seem to come back in games so just from a metric standpoint i like nova here and i also don't like the big 10 in general i just think that four uh four and a half was a little too low now we're getting to five i took four and a half for two stars what are your what's your uh, number on this so we have michigan in this game by four points of value so it's actually a play the other way against ukf here uh and I have one really interesting stat where why it's probably indicating that. So Villanova's offense is just so many three-point shots that like lead the country in almost three-point attempt rate. Uh, 
And their best offense is coming from their open catch and shoot threes, which mm-hmm. they get a decent amount of. But Michigan allows the fourth least open catch and shoot threes in the country. So they're really, really good at defending that. And they force a lot of off the dribble threes. So Gillespie might have a big game just like pulling up. Um, but from like a play type perspective, like preventing Villanova's best offense is obviously going to be huge for Michigan uh, in this game, which they do traditionally. Yeah, ball pressure for sure. And Michigan does rank pretty good against the three. So that that if, if Nova's not hitting threes, that would worry me. And it is in a neutral court. That's why when it gets up to the five, five and a half, I'm, I'm backing off a little bit from what I said. So makes sense. Good to have some disagreement for sure. Uh, let's move on to the next game. Texas Tech versus Duke. Duke plus one. Did I read that? Did I read that right? Plus one, one set, one thirty-seven is the total. I can't wait to see what shot quality and Simon has about this one. We have a base as a pushes. I mean, uh, we have a Texas Tech by point uh, point three, so it's essentially a, a push to the Vegas spread. Uh, I think Tech is so good, and I think they're one of the hottest teams in the country. Uh, even if they win this, obviously whoever wins has to play Gonzaga most likely. Um, but Tech is one of the hottest teams in the country in terms of quality of possessions. They're healthy now. Mark Adams is leading that defense. I think they're really, really special team. Um, that's just more eye test than any shot quality metrics here. But well, I, I mean, I, I'm going to be rooting for Tech from a fan perspective, but I'm going to be <clears throat> putting money on Duke from a, a sports betting perspective. Tech, uh, great defensive team, and they're older and they're more experienced than Duke, but that's not different, and that's not new to Coach Krzyzewski. And uh, Tech destroyed a lot of smaller teams, outsizing them and out-rebounding them, like you said, saw against Notre Dame. But they, but Notre Dame hung in that game. And um, Notre Dame can't match up against Duke because they're also tall, and this is where Duke, I think, can get those rebounds and can get around their defense here. I have to look at some of the intangibles and not just the metrics here. I have to look at the fact that Tech is terrible away from home, um, ranking 354th away from home from an efficiency perspective. And which way the whistle is going to go that you think, Simon? I mean, I think this (laughs) is Coach K's last year. I mean, it's not like I'm going to cry by losing my two units if if Duke Duke, uh, loses because, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not a Duke fan, but – I, I think Duke, with the talent, with the uh, they're going to get the whistles, and the fact that the size comparison should match up against Tech. Now, if Duke is going to lay that Virginia Tech egg like they did, they're going to lose this game. But um, I have to go with Duke, and uh, they do rank 31st away from home, which is uh, a good number that I look at. But it looks like you guys are close to push. Makes sense. That's an interesting metric, the away from home metric. Uh, the one thing I will say about the Duke getting the calls, I mean, in – Coach K's last game against UNC, um, that was not the case. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that narrative is, like, most likely the outcome. But also, like, that's got to be something that the refs are conscious of to not be like, oh, we're biased towards Coach K. Like, let's just make every call for Coach K's last game. Like, I feel like that would be too obvious of a script. I Maybe I'm overthinking it here, but just the fact that the UNC game went as it did. No, you should something be. That I would- it's good to look at be a contrarian in that, and I would be that contrarian saying the the refs are going to adjust because of the thought about it if it wasn't Coach K's last year. So forget about it, my man. <laughs> Let's move on to the next game: Houston versus Arizona. Here, and Arizona is minus one 
The total is 145. Now, I'm going to go first. I'm going to see if you line up with me. This game looks like a pace war in a way because Houston, one of the slower teams in the nation, and Arizona, one of the fastest teams. What sucks for Arizona is that this game is in Texas. You know, they're in the south bracket here. They're the second overall seed, but they got a five seed in Houston. (laughs) I mean, first of all, Houston being a five seed is absolutely ridiculous. They should have been at least a two seed. They won their conference championship. Hell, they're number two on the other efficiency sites, right? So, um, to be honest with you, they snuck past Arizona on those sites, but this is what – there's a couple tells for me that is helping me make a play here. Both teams have matchup advantages against each other down low but Arizona is the taller team I think Houston's getting too much credit for that Illinois win I don't think Illinois is a good team they showed it in the Big Ten tournament they had no forwards going for them the Illinois absolutely got busted up by Chattanooga and they should have lost that game they got a little little uh whistle love at the end of that as well and I think that Arizona with Kirk Creasa now back for sure he had that kind of bad game against TCU yeah more days off. I like Arizona and the high flying team. And you know what else is the big tell for me is the total being 145. This tells me if Arizona's gonna win the pace war, meaning the total is 145, that means Arizona's gonna win the game. So I'm taking the cats. It's interesting uh that you said that because Houston obviously plays at a slower pace, but they are so good in transition. Like one of the best teams when they do push the pace because they have all these athletic um wings and forwards and guards uh that could just run the table um so i mean in terms of the shot quality metrics we have it once again as a push it's 0.7 <laughs> points of value towards houston it's one and a half so it's it's nothing really um but uh i this is a game i, I like the the call about it being in texas because that obviously has a major impact um I Houston is like I think yeah definitely the most underseeded team in the tournament and Arizona uh, just had like such a good resume. This is one I'm not touching like definitely not. I think it's an absolute pick up and I'm like so scared. Of this. I think it's gonna be one. Of the, I think it's gonna be the most entertaining <laughs> of the Sweet Sixteen. I think so. Uh, like I think it's the so. game I'm the most excited to watch for sure. Oh, I totally I totally agree. You know, and it was a, it was a big shame when they lost Marcus Sasser for the season. You know, and um, and they lost another guy earlier in the season. Just kind of drawing a blank here on his name, might be Mark or something. But I, I think their depth's going to be a little bit hurt because of that. It's this will be the best game, and I got to give us some props to shot quality because your metrics are lining up with the best of the best. If that's the case, it's great to look at that site as well because of the perspective being different here. So huge props, Simon, for. Uh, you coming up next to spread. But when I know that I'm good at handicapping games, most of my games are close to the spread. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. that I think that's very important to know. All right, let's move on to the next game here. And we're we're into Friday. St. Peter's, the team that you mentioned that should have lost to Kentucky. <laughs> 12 and a half point dogs to per don't and the total is 135.5 and i say per don't because i'm a big 10 wisconsin fan but they're more like purdue in a bracket with the number one seed and the number two seed gone so that's a nice little path for them being the biggest uh favorite but is that favorite a warranted favorite simon what are your thoughts yeah uh we have purdue by 15 so it's a little bit of juice on them for sure 
And I just think the regression's coming a little bit for St. Peter's. I think they've played over their head the last two games. Shot way over expected from three. I know there's a lot of memes going out there about Doug Eadard and everything, but like eventually one of their opponents is going to start hitting shots. And uh, in the MAC, St. Peter's has not faced a big like Zach Eady, and they have not faced a guard like Jaden Ivey. Um, I I do like Purdue here. Um, okay, and I'll tell you. That's interesting. Your site is is different from the met. The metric sites are at t- 10, 10 and a half, 11. You're at 15 and the spread's 12 and a half. That kind of shows that the eye test of the market is kind of siding with Purdue a little bit, pushing it past the metric sites, right? And that's yeah. why and that's why it's 12 and a half. Well, a couple things takes me off the Purdue side here. Number 1, they are a terrible favorite and until last Last game, they haven't covered in like five weeks. Um, oh my god! Yeah, they're fourteen and twenty and one as a favorite this year because their defense kind of chokes up and they just allow teams to get back in the game. Uh, the Peacock's fifth in momentum, but that's obvious why because they had those two massive wins. But I, I did like how they play against <coughs> Murray State. If you look at the height of this team with Travion Williams and Zach Eady, you would assume that. They should beat up the Peacocks massively inside. It should be a massive, massive uh, difference in near proximity. But like I said, what St. Pierre's is doing is the small things. They're probably going to try to draw some charges and get them in foul trouble. And if the refs bite and, and Zach Eady's out, this could be a closer game. So I'm going to, I'll just based on Purdue's performance as a favorite and the momentum of St. Peter's, I'll, I'll lean the dog here just on this one, but uh, we'll, we'll pass on this one. Next one, this has been an interesting team, Simon, because Providence has been called the luckiest team in the tournament, but guess what? They're in the freaking Sweet 16, and I've bet them <laughs> both times, so I'm pretty happy about that one. And, uh, you know, they're playing a Kansas team that has so much upside, yet this spread is still around seven and a half. I have to assume that you have Kansas as a bigger favorite based upon the talent and the shot quality, but 141 and a half. What are your thoughts? Uh, for the total or for the spread? For both, actually. 141 and a half is the total, spread seven and a half. So we have, uh, like you mentioned, Kansas by a good amount in this game. We have Kansas by four points of value. So 11 and a half essentially uh, for this game, for the spread, which is a play on the shot quality bet site. Uh, Providence, like you mentioned earlier, was pinned as the luckiest team in the country. And in terms of the quality of possessions they've had in the first two games, um, it's been that way as well. This is the argument I'm going to use for a team like this. Um, The New York Knicks last year, the Knicks played in 82 games in the season. And, Everybody was talking about how uh, on open threes, teams were shooting the worst clip in the NBA. 82 games didn't regress. Did not regress. It stayed where teams were continuously shooting terrible percentage on open threes against the Knicks. It wasn't anything that Thibodeau was doing defensively. It was just the reckoning was coming. Uh, In the playoffs, obviously, they got cracked by the Hawks. The reckoning is coming for Providence. I I just – I'm never going to – I'm never going to buy this – and uh, I really think there's a good chance that Kansas wins this game by like 15 plus. <laughs> well, there you go, man. Finally getting yeah. on that side that's been fading Providence here. 
Kansas, I have massive problems with. They, they're okay as a favorite. They're around 51% here. I think they're 18 and 17 as a favorite. But I don't like the way they played a very injured Creighton team. Yeah, that was bad. That uh, didn't look that great. What the hell happened there? And uh, Providence kind of makes their own luck. You know, they, they're lucky, but they play their games kind of close here. So I'm going to watch this spread. I, I think it should be just based upon their performance so far in the tournament. Maybe a six, six and a half point spread. But um, it's interesting. You'll be, this is one of your biggest differences and you're pl- playing Kansas. So I will definitely take that to heart. I, I think both teams will be able to shoot the three against each other. Um, the question is, which one's going to go in? Very, very interesting. Uh, going to see how that is. Maybe a good live betting game, too. If, if it's finally dropping for Providence, then this could be a massive blowout. So interesting stuff there. Let's go to the next game, North Carolina versus UCLA. And I'm saying UCLA minus 2.5, Simon. Total is 141.5. I'll let you go first. So uh, UNC is one of the hottest teams in the country right now, ranked third in terms of the quality of possessions they're getting in the entire country over the last five games. So they're playing really, really, really well right now. Uh, But I just think UCLA is the better team. Uh, And in this game, it's not much of a value play. Um, It basically has UCLA uh, minus four and a half. And you said the spread's two and a half, two for UCLA, right? Yeah, it's two to two and a half. And I see it creeping up a little bit. It sounds like Jamie Jacquez is going to be playing. He was walking around pretty good about an hour ago. Yeah, so I'm leaning towards UCLA in this game. Uh, I just think they're the better team. It's always a tough call going for the the team that's playing hot versus just like the overall better team. Uh, But UCLA has more experience on their roster. Obviously made to the final four last year. I have them in the final four. My brackets maybe I'm a little biased here, but uh, I think you say is going to win this game. Okay, what about the total at one forty one and a half? We have slight over in this game uh, by five, so one forty seven is the over the total that we have in this game. It's a pretty big difference, I think, and that was kind of the direction I was looking at. UCLA has been lights out in the tournament, but they but I'll tell you this. St. Mary's couldn't hit anything against them, and they were yeah. missing open shots. Um, it was kind of like the Wisconsin-Iowa game in a way, except worse, because obviously UCLA hit more shots than Iowa State. Um, so yeah. uh, Virginia Tech, that worries me on, on what happened to North Carolina when they played Virginia Tech. I was like, are you going to choke again? Is this going to be one of those games where you don't score any points? So I am concerned about that a little bit because of North Carolina is just inconsistent in general, Simon, and I, I, and I worry about that. Um, but in saying that, UCLA's defense is not good. It, it, well, it's not great anyway. Part of the reason that uh, well, that UCLA really lost St. Mary's, like I said, was them shooting. But I've seen them play Arizona. And, and I got to tell you, if, if North Carolina has a little bit of Arizona in them, it's kind of the speed and the height that they have and the, and the fact that they run down the court. And yet they, that gave UCLA a lot of fits the last couple games. I know they got Arizona once. It was a bad spot for Arizona. But um, I, that makes me like kind of look at the over here. With Jacquez back shooting a three, I, I think that ACC – uh, a bit underrated. North Carolina should win their matchups down low. They're going to allow some points downtown because they can't guard the three well. Um, I think UCLA is going to hit some points downtown with Tiger Campbell and a couple other guys. Lean over, but I'll probably take the over. So uh, that's my best look on that. Sounds like shot quality agrees. Yes. Yes, we do. Awesome. So one more game left here. Iowa State 
versus Miami. And the Hurricanes are laying now two and a half, the total 133 and a half. So obviously I give you enough hints, Simon, uh, on what I thought about this Iowa State team. A lot of people say St. Peter's is the most fraudulent team here at Iowa State. The way they played in the Big 12, yeah, they're... Providence. Providence. (laughs) Providence. Okay, we got three frauds here. We got St. Peter's, (laughs) Iowa State, and Providence. We should do a big poll here to find out who the biggest fraud is. But I'll tell you this. The way LSU shot against Iowa State, open shots, and the way Wisconsin shot against Iowa State, it it didn't matter. UW-Milwaukee would have beat... Wisconsin that day, and they might have beaten LSU that day, and that's what I say. And I think they might have beat Iowa State those days because Iowa State didn't do anything that impressed me. I am not going to overthink this. I think that uh, the ACC is massively underrated. I think Miami can match up against this team. I'm playing Miami. I'm I'm laying it, and I laid it before this. The line moved up, and I still like it at two and a half, three stars. What is your thoughts? We have it uh, same as Vegas, so no play here. But just like I test watching that Miami team and those guards, um, I think they're really, really special. And it, people always say it's the guards that are going to be the ones that lead the teams, the upset teams to the, to the Final Four and everything. And I would lean towards Miami just fully eye test uh, over Iowa State because I do agree that they are very fraudulent as well. And I, I think an undervalued thing also with the Miami team is just like how much better the ACC has been playing in the last like 10 games of the season, like they were definitely really bad over the full course of the season. And like, we're one of the weaker ACC uh, conferences in a while, but I mean, UNC peaking the tournament, Duke looks decent-ish. And now this Miami team obviously looks pretty great as well. Um, so ACC seems like a little slept on uh, from at least recent play. Yeah, 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 they do. Uh, and. Miami, I just think, is more talented, and they have some good senior leaderships there. Um, Iowa State, Kalsher did great against Wisconsin, but nobody was guarding the dude. He was just taking mid-range shot after mid-range shot and just hitting them all. And that was the only offense they really got because their best player over at Iowa State, I don't think, did a lot either, my man. So find that very interesting but you're gonna have plays on many of these games simon and we have a promotion <clears throat> for the odds breakers right yep yep so what basically um, what's the deal with that basically it's uh, if you go to shockqualitybets.com and go to sign up it's mm final one word uh all caps uh gets you basically full slave the nit the rest of cbi uh rest of the NCAA tournament, Sweet 16, for the rest of the tournament, uh, just for 1995. So it's an 80% discount from the start of March Madness now, because uh, obviously the brackets don't really matter. It's just more <laughs> about the line value. Right. Um, so, yeah. Massive, guys. Same, yeah, check out Shot Quality. Different perspective, definitely a great way to look at how these games are predicted based upon process more than based upon past metrics so great stuff simon make sure you guys check them out use the promo code mm final to get that discount and their last plays anything we missed simon no i think that's it yeah appreciate it man all right well thank you so much for coming on check out simon at shot quality bets my friends thank you so much for listening to this show we're also going to be going live on thursday with kyle hunter around the 
2 p.m. Eastern time for better odds sports betting to get back into the lines right before the games start. If you have any questions, please feel free to tweet us at the Odds Breakers. Have a great weekend of March Madness and go get some winners.